0: Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain.
1: What's up, Cougar fans? Lauren McClain here with Cleon Wall, and we're doing what we do best, talking all things BYU Cougars. Here's what's coming up on the show today. BYU Gymnastics Barbie girl Rebecca Ripley joins us to talk about her reaction to all the hype surrounding her viral floor routine. Plus, number 22, St. Mary's, comes to town to take on BYU's men's basketball team. We'll have a little trivia to see how well we know the in-conference foe. But first, the Ballers in Blue are about halfway through the final year in the WCC and coming off a two-game losing streak. Are they doing better, worse, or about where we expected them to be at this point in the season? Cleon, 10 points if you can tell me what a gale is.
0: I will tell you exactly what a gale is. It is someone from either Ireland, Scotland, or the Isle of Man uh, and they speak Gaelic. And are you
1: looking at Google right now? I,
0: I actually had to look it up for something else, but yes, it's. it's <laughs> I,
1: hey, come on. I,
0: that that's the that's like the motherland for me too. So, but yes, that's what a that's yeah, what go. that's what a Gael is. It's someone who I guess you could say speak Gaelic, but from that area of the world, it's either Scotland, Ireland, or the Isle of Man. And by the way, did you know that when you uh, are on the Isle of Man, you're a Manx? Uh, but there you go.
1: I did not know that. I did not know that. But Google definitely does. And thank heavens for Google, right? Everything, (laughs) all knowledge is at your fingertips. Um, But yes, makes sense uh, with a Catholic school with their mascot being Gail. It's pretty cool. All right. Back to BYU men's basketball. After losing to San Francisco, Mark Pope told the media part of his conversation with his team. He said, I told them I'd do a better job. Together, we've got to learn the price of winning, and that's not easy. It's part of the process we go through. That San Francisco game was rough. Dallin Hall went scoreless and had five turnovers and 11 minutes of action in the game. Spencer Johnson only notched four points, but did not score until a minute 42 left in the second half. Rudy Williams had 28 off the bench, 21 of those in the second half. He's been a bright spot for the team. Cleon, what are your thoughts so far now that we are just about halfway through the final year of the WCC? I really
0: thought this team finally had an identity. And I feel like I'm wrong. You know, they played good team defense leading up to the weekend road trip to, you know, against San Francisco and Santa Clara. And then that defense seemed to disappear. But, you know, as I think about it more, maybe their defense actually faltered in that second half against Pepperdine because they gave Mm -hmm. up a lot of points to Pepperdine. Maybe that was the sign. I I really thought that they were going to hang their hat, I guess you could say, on defense, and it doesn't seem that way. Uh, a, a few other things. Uh, who's the guy you depend on to score for this team? Is it Foose Traore? I mean, he's dependable down low, but someone needs to feed him the ball. And you know, he's sub- subject to double teams. He has no outside game. He needs someone to take the pressure off of him from the perimeter. Spencer Johnson?
1: Yes, because because but Foose had. I think he is has the fourth-best um, shooting percentage, something like that, in the country right now. So he, to be fair, is doing very, very well. But you're right, he needs to get the ball more. But he needs a supporting cast as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's an undersized post player, Lauren. That's 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 yeah, the problem. Yes. He is he is yeah. way too subject to a double team. And I'm not saying he's not passing it out. I'm not saying he's not, and, th- and that he's forcing shots. That's not the case. He's actually very smart with the ball. But because he can't shoot from the outside or handle the ball, and he's pretty yeah. much stuck with uh, uh, you know b- scoring baskets close to the basket he needs help somewhere else and, and if he doesn't have that help he's going to continually have to throw it back out and he's their most reliable low post scorer anyway um oh i was going to say spencer johnson it depends on if he's fully healthy i'm not maybe he's there maybe he's not i still think he's better when he's playing off of someone else Dallin hall i think is still learning gideon george he's he mm-hmm. plays better off of other players rudy williams is the closest thing you have to the guy that you could say go out and get me a bucket and interestingly
1: you, enough he's coming off the bench right yeah exactly <laughs> I,
0: I mean in my opinion he's the closest thing that you could say go out and get me a bucket and usually it's best when he drives but because he is so effective at driving sometimes he can you know do a step back and he's effective there he's really streaky you know because a few games mm-hmm. before that he was only scoring like two points so right you know th- th- those are my feelings there you know Mark Pope's grand experiment this season has not been so grand. Um, he's blaming himself. He's saying all the right things. <laughs> it's going to be up to him and his staff to turn things around and the players too. I mean, I'm not going to absolve the players. These guys need to figure out what that is. Maybe it's just being really basic and just saying, let's just go out and play good defense and the offense will come. I don't know. That, that seems too basic to me, but something like that. I, I I just want this team to figure out who they are. And to me, it just doesn't feel like they've done that.
1: Yes, and, and I, I like that Coach Pope, he's taking the blame, like most good coaches do, honestly. And there, there definitely needs to be some changes. Like you said, he made that ex- – <laughs> this, this year has been an experiment, right? Kind of having a mix of, of different guys and, and transfers. And, and uh, yeah, it just is unfortunate that it's not quite working out the year before. The Big 12, the best arguably basketball conference in the country. Cougars are 14 and nine, four and four in conference. Uh, looking at the record alone, Cleon, they're about where I thought they would be. But looking at the opponents, they've won some unexpected ones and lost some that were they absolutely should have won. So that's what is unexpected to me. So looking just looking purely at the numbers, I'm like, I if I wouldn't have seen any of the games, I would have said, okay, that, that kind of makes sense, but. The team has some great players, but lacks a guy that can carry a team on his back. So guys like Jimmer for a Tyler Hawes and Alex Barcelo. And you kind of mentioned this with yours. Who's the star guy? Who's the go-to guy? And I think that's one of the things that's hurting this team. They don't quite have that. They have a lot of very talented, good players, but no one that's like, give me the ball. You guys, I'm going to do this. I'm going to win this game for us. Um, But the most glaring problem for me this season is turnovers, Cleon oh my goodness that that has been so hard to watch for me they had 15 against San Francisco which resulted in 25 points even by the way the Cougars had a better shooting percentage than San Francisco but they still ended up losing and it was because of those turnovers man I, I'm all about aggression and sometimes you know you you make a quick pass and it, it ends up in a, a turnover because you're just trying to be aggressive that's great to me but they that's just been something that's been so glaring throughout the season with the Cougars they've had a really hard time taking care of the ball
0: or it's an an entry pass you know just trying to get the ball oh. to foos and it's not good and then that leads yes. to a turnover and it's going sideways as you're going down the floor and the next thing you know there's a layup on the other end
1: absolutely and it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch. I, and I know you can't say they gotta work harder on that in practice. You know, you know they are. The coaches aren't stupid, you know. Like they they know what the problems are. They're working on them. So I mean, if that's the case, then it is on the players. They need to, they need to make some changes and take care of the ball. But there there have been some games where the team was super fun to watch and seemed like they had all the right pieces. Of these nominees, Cleon, which has been the best game so far this season for the team? Gonzaga. Even though BYU lost, it was an exciting game. Utah, because duh. Dayton, <laughs> the overtime comeback win in Atlantis. Creighton, uh, they were ranked in the top twenty-five, or Westminster, they scored hundred points, played at the Delta Center, and had 19 three-pointers. Which one's your favorite?
0: Oh, I'm gonna have to go with Utah. And it's not just because it's BYU's biggest rival. It's because it was to me, it was the most complete game. You know, both teams only shot 41% for the game, but BYU made three more three-pointers. That was a huge difference in that game because they won by nine. BYU's defense led to offense. BYU had 21 points off of Utah turnovers. Rudy Williams scored big buckets when BYU needed it. He had 26 in that game. BYU came up with—I'm sorry. They came up big in big moments, and they didn't falter. That's what you want to see out of your team. You want to see them—you know, they're not going to be perfect all the time, but— they're going to come up big in big moments and not falter. Because we've seen that, too. We've seen them build big leads and then fritter it away because they've turned the ball over because of a full-court press or whatever. I'd say that was probably their most complete game. Yes, they could have shot better in that game, but they shot well enough and they played defense well enough to beat a good Utah team.
1: All I can think about, Cleanna, is the fact that you used the word fritter.
0: Yes. Frittering! Frittering away. <laughs> uh, well, you know. I I, maybe I have my mind on apple fritters right now.
1: (laughs) They frittered it away. Um, that was a fantastic game. And I'll be honest, I was at my family Christmas party. Uh, the bowl game was on at the same time, if you don't recall. Oh, I do recall. uh, I was dying. Me and my dad and my brother were like, we gotta watch these games. But we had our family Christmas party. We were respectful and, uh, we did not. But I did check the score. I kept checking the score. And I could not believe that BYU was maintaining the lead against Utah the entire game. So awesome. Every, time, it sh- every
0: time Utah made a, uh, I will just say this. Every time Utah made a push, BYU had an answer for it. And that's what you want to see from your team. Oh, and yeah. it just – it hasn't happened enough this year.
1: For me, it should have been the Gonzaga game. That should have been the best one of the season because they had the win in the bag until the last minute. But I can't in good conscience pick it. Because they lost. It was as great, of, <laughs> as great of a game as it was. They lost. So, that no, that wasn't the best game of the season. I'm going to go with Creighton, Cleon, and here's why. BYU won seven in a row after that game. I think that Creighton win was a huge confidence builder. They It was a bounce back after that insane UVU loss. And I think it changed the traje- trajectory, there's a good word for you, of the season. Up to that point, obviously, they, they've been up and down since then. But seven in a row is a great, great feat. And so I'm going to go with that Creighton game for the best one of the season. For you, what's been the worst game?
0: Uh, To me, it's South Dakota. Uh, They got down big. They tried to make a furious comeback, and they came up one point short, 69-68. South Dakota, they're a team hovering around 500 right now, below 500. Poor shooting Mm -hmm. on that day, poor play early on. That really doomed the team, and it might have led to the uh, uh, hangover loss to UVU the next week.
1: Agreed. South Dakota was no bueno. And leading into that, UVU was the worst one for me because it was just gross. The implications that loss has on in-state recruiting perception, it, it just doesn't sit well with me. They lost by 15 points. It wasn't even a close game. I think they redeemed themselves for the most part when they played Utah and they won, but it still hurts to this day for me. UVU is 16-5. to They beat Oregon. So they're definitely not a bunch of scrubs, right? They're, they're a good team. They're a great team. But I just think BYU should be blowing out. UVU, year in and year out. I mean, good for them for making a name for themselves. I just don't like it, Cleon. I understand. <laughs> I, want it, BYU, I want BYU winning that game. You it's, know?
0: it's a perception issue, and you know that the more times yes. you're going to play a team, you're going to lose some of those games. And that's why some right. teams won't play certain other teams because they're afraid of losing. So, you know, for me, I, yeah, you're I, right. I, I guess for me, I, I know it's going to come. Yeah, you don't want to lose to the team down the road. But it's going to happen every once in a while. You just hate happening, yeah, having it happen like two years in a row. That's that's what really kills you.
1: Well, and then and then uh, Mark Pope's last year at UVU, they beat BYU as well. So, man, it, it's becoming a trend, and I don't like it. Let's let's change that asap. Uh, St. Mary's comes to town, and they're currently a perfect seven and zero. And the WCC BYU is 18 and 17 all time against the Gales 12 and five at home. So they do very well at home. This is possibly the last time St. Mary's comes to the Marriott center. The Gales are currently, uh, number one in the WCC for the first time in a really long time. Cleon, that's weird not to see the Zags at the top. Things can change. Definitely. They haven't played each other yet. So we'll see, but the Zach, the, I'm sorry. The Gales are very, very good this year. This is the biggest remaining game in the Marriott center this year. There are some teams where there isn't much middle ground, and I think St. Mary's is one of those. Do you love or do you hate the Gales, Cleon? Well,
0: first of all, I'll just say this is like the worst team to play right now for BYU. They're disciplined, they're yeah. tough, they are physical, and they probably won't do too many dumb things to beat themselves. They may shoot poorly, but they're going to be <laughs> tough the entire game. Kind of right. like what I'd like to kind of see from BYU right now. So this is like the worst team to play right now for BYU, you know, coming yeah. off of two two straight losses. Uh, I feel about St. Mary's about the same way I feel about Gonzaga. I, I love them. I love that Randy Bennett has taken a small Catholic college on the West Coast and turned them into a solid basketball team year in and year out. I love that he finds hard-nosed guys who are skilled. I love that he finds Australians who are, who want to come play for him. <laughs> you know, St. Mary's so crazy. I know it's so weird that he he's able to do that. You know, they aren't mm-hmm. great every year, but if you are a, if you are a BYU fan, you hate playing them every year because they're probably going to give you a good game. For me, I I have respect for a team like that. Can't you have respect for a team like that?
1: Yes, I think you can, and I think they're great. They play really good fundamental basketball that's fun and refreshing to watch for me. Uh, They always look unsuspecting. (laughs) They're always a team you look at and you're like, oh, man, we're going to blow past these guys. But then they lay it on thick because the fundamentals are so good. They're a very good shooting team. They're very well coached. And I'm a big Randy Bennett fan. I got to interview him in Las Vegas uh, a couple of years ago uh, for the WCC preseason interviews. He and one of the players, and he was hilarious. I had him play these dumb games, and everyone's like, oh, I don't know if Randy's going to do that. (laughs) He's kind of a serious guy, you know? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I was super nervous to do it. But he was playing these silly games with his players, and he was just fun and and awesome. And I gained a lot more respect for him and obviously what he has done with that program. One of the game... One of the games, Cleon, that is etched into BYU fans' minds is what we like to call the Dell of a Dagger. Where were you on January 16th, 2013? I I
0: think I was helping out with the broadcast, the radio broadcast that day, uh, probably back up at the radio studios of KSL. And, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it was was an amazing turn of events in less than three seconds. Just amazing. (laughs) That's all I will say. It was just—I mean, it, if you're a BYU fan, it was a heart-wrenching. If you're just a college basketball fan, what a finish to that yeah, game!
1: Yeah, Tyler Haas hits a runner with 2.5 seconds left. So BYU fans of the Marriott Center are thinking it's over, right? Like fans are going nuts, student sections are going nuts. Then Matthew Delavidova throws up a 30-foot prayer and makes it as time expires to win 70 to 69. In the Marriott Center, and it goes silent. It goes silent. It was rough. But, yes, like you said, if you're a college basketball fan, it was fun. By the way, I mean,
0: I I went back and watched a a little recap on that game. I had forgotten that his parents actually came to that game, Matthew Delavidova's parents, were at that game. They had come to visit he and I think his sister. They were both going to school at St. Mary's, and they made it over to Provo for that game, and then he hits that shot. And you look at that now, I look back at that now, and I'm like, well, that softens the blow a little bit. That It's been 10 years, so that helps soften the blow, too.
1: <laughs> the mother side of me, make that makes me really happy that they were able to see that. All right, we're going to do a little uh, trivia. Know the foe. Okay, Cleon, let's see how well you know the St. Mary's Gales. How many games in a row has BYU won in the Marriott Center against the Gales? Ooh. Four? Three. Oh, three in a row. BYU has done very well against the Gales in the Marriott Center. This year might change that. We hope not.
0: They always Let's get, hope we make it four. It's always a tough game between these two teams, no matter where they play. So yes, I'm just. And hoping I for a really good game. think,
1: I do too. And you never know which BYU team is going to show up. They uh, barely lost to Gonzaga. They could, they could give the Gales a run for their money. We'll see. All right, number two, the Gales are one of the top defensive teams in the country, ranking blank in scoring defense. Oh man,
0: you're hitting me with numbers here. Um, I, don't I know. know, in the nation. Oh, wow. Uh, in the nation. 20. I'll go 20.
1: Four. Woo! They are fourth.
0: I was way off Fourth there. in
1: the nation. Yep.
0: I, I, I thought they'd and, be good. I didn't think they'd be that good. Wow. Okay.
1: Yep. Fourth in scoring defense. So, like I said, BYU's got their hands full. All right. Matt Van Comen is a Utah native, and he's on the roster for St. Mary's, standing at seven feet, four inches tall. Matt, why are you not at BYU? All right. What <laughs> high school did he go to, Cleon?
0: Ooh, I'm gonna say Pleasant Grove.
1: Yeah, how did you know that?
0: I I I think I re- I just remembered that Matt Van Comen went to Pleasant Grove. The name sounds familiar, so I thought I'd take a a a stab in the dark in Pleasant Grove High School. Go Vikings! Right? That's your well, alma mater. Well,
1: great, great stab. It is my alma mater. That's why I love it. Go Vikings, Matt. I'll be rooting for you. Not rooting for your team, but I'll be rooting for you. All right. Your fourth and final question is: Who would win in a fight? A cougar. Or a gale.
0: Okay, I have to ask this question as a follow up: Is the okay. gale armed?
1: Yeah, sure. Okay. Yes, it's one on one on one armed cougar coming at you. Who's I, gonna win?
0: I'm gonna say the gale because if he's got a weapon, oh, wow. he's probably gonna be able to take out the cougar. Sorry. Uh, plus mm. cougars. Cougars, I, I guess maybe a cougar could win if he could surprise the gale, like hop out of a tree onto his back or something.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm still going to go this with the gale. This is a morbid conversation. <laughs> I'm still going to go with the gale. Okay, morbid conversation. Uh, Yeah, I think either one. I, we won't go into the details of that. All right, coming up, she's a Barbie girl living in a Barbie world. Gymnastics' Rebecca Ripley joins us to talk overcoming injuries, her senior season, and, of course, her floor routine that went viral. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. Senior gymnast Rebecca Ripley became a viral sensation after her Barbie Girl floor routine. And we have her with us now. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on with us.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited.
1: We're excited to have you because, man, I, I loved, loved your routine. It was so much fun. And man, oh you just gosh. did such a good job. <laughs> <laughs> so You're awesome. So nice. How many times? How many times have you been called Barbie Girl since your floor routine went viral after that first meet
2: so many times everyone's like <laughs> Rebecca Barbie girl you know
1: so cool whose idea was it to build a floor routine around the 90s song Barbie girl
2: you know what's funny actually is i was hanging out with a friend a couple years ago and i was working on an entirely different floor routine and she said you know the the coolest routines are the ones that you know have a theme and i was like yeah but i, I don't know what i would do and so that's kind of where the idea originated from she said oh my gosh you could be barbie and she's like you've got like the the blonde hair you know you could pull it off i was like <laughs> okay maybe i could and then you know i took the idea to my coach and here we are now
1: which friend was that who gave you the idea of barbie
2: girl so her name's aubrey we've been friends for a really long time and she just graduated last year but we were just hanging out and and then yeah
1: <laughs> i love that because then there was the mario themed floor routine that went viral yeah. a little while ago. So very, very similar in, in that idea, just making it really unique. So who choreographed it for you in the end?
2: So that me and my coach Brogan, we worked on it together and just kind of, you know, played off each other, bounced a bunch of different ideas. Um, I watched a lot of YouTube videos and pulled a lot of like inspiration from other, like people doing kind of robotic Barbie type movements and just kind of slowly pieced the thing together.
1: Be- before this routine was the robot like your go-to dance move when you go to dances
2: because you were really <laughs> good at it <laughs> thank you well honestly I knew that I could probably pull off Barbie because I'm the type of gymnast I'm I'm kind of a stiff gymnast and I move really sharp already so I was like I think I can pull this off
1: <laughs> so cool at your very first competition as a BYU gymnast you scored a 9.825 on the vault and on your online bio you said it was your favorite moment but Is that still the case or has Barbie Girl
2: kind of surpassed that? Barbie Girl surpassed that. This has been amazing. (laughs) And I just, I love the performance aspect of Flora. I just, I feel like I can really like be myself and just like express myself. And it's just so much fun to have so many people like supporting me and cheering. And it's just, it's, it's fun to entertain. It's really fun.
1: So did the National Spotlight surprise you after you performed it in Las Vegas were you like whoa I didn't expect to get this type of reaction
2: I mean it surprised me that it happened so quickly I and a little bit overall my like coaches and teammates were like this routine's gonna go viral and you know I was always thinking like that'd be super cool but you know that's not like a a guaranteed (laughs) thing so when it happened after my first meet back in a long time I was definitely surprised
1: Something special about this routine in Vegas and other times hereafter. This was your first performance back from multiple knee injuries over the course of your time at BYU, and you haven't competed since 2019. What's been your mindset going into it and how you've overcome these trials the last couple of years?
2: Honestly, my just my love for gymnastics, it's never even been like a question of if it's been a question of when and each time it's happened so each knee surgery i've had i've had three knee surgeries and each one i've made a full recovery from and so it's not like i've been injured straight for three years and now i'm better it's like each time i got really really close and then it happened again and then i got really close Mm -hmm. and so i just felt like each time i got a taste of competing again and i just i wanted it so bad and just it was enough to keep me pushing and pushing until finally this year I finally had a preseason. That's what was different as I was healthy during the summer and I had a full preseason to get ready for right now.
1: Oh my gosh. Three knee surgeries. So you were saying that you, you would get really close to being a hundred percent and then you would hurt your knee again. Is that how it would go down?
2: No. So I would get to a hundred percent every time, but it was always just bad timing with gymnastic mm. season. So like I, I would gotcha. get fully back to season and then we'd only have a month left. And then, you know, the lineups are already made. It's really hard to push a lineup at that point or just, you know, just bad timing. And so yeah. this last one, I had good timing. And so I got the full preseason to train. You know, I, I had to do a lot of mental work to get there. It just, it's really, the mental side is much harder than the physical recovery. And it's all kind of coming together this year and it's been really amazing actually.
1: It's awesome. You've been able to make a hundred percent recovery, um, with, after each surgery, but mentally you mentioned how difficult that is. Has it become with each subsequent injury, was it easier or more difficult to come back mentally?
2: Um, surprisingly physically, it was easier to come back. Cause it's like, you know, I know the drill. I know what rehab to do. I know I need to ice. I know, I, I know what I need to do physically, but mentally it really like, it got me down. Like I remember getting very, just frustrated. I, I felt very spiritually inclined to keep continuing with gymnastics. And so each mm. time I felt like I failed, I just was, you know, I would get so down on myself, like very confused. And, you know, now I I finally am like, okay, I'm so glad that I kept pushing forward because these moments to compete, like they're so precious. Like it's made me have such a great appreciation and understanding for athletics and for gymnastics specifically. It's been really... Really great. That's so
1: neat. You said you felt spiritually inclined to keep going. Who else or what else helped you in coming back and getting to where you are now?
2: Um, Well, first of all, God's helped me get there through the most. He's, you know, been there for me, but also my friends and my family. I have just an incredible support system, just amazing family, amazing friends and teammates. Like, everybody's just been in my corner cheering me on and thats I don't, I don't think I could have gotten it gotten there without all of their help.
1: One thing that probably helps you be a little more stiff during your routine is your knee brace. <laughs> that stinks <seems laughs> yeah, that you have to compete I, with that. What, what, what is it like competing with that big brace on your knee?
2: I mean, I've worn that thing since the first knee surgery in 2019. So I honestly just, it's kind of second nature. I put it on, I <laughs> practice and it feels pretty normal at this point. It's like putting on
1: gloves or something when you go outside yeah, in the really. cold.
2: That's amazing. <laughs>
1: Have you ever been tempted to just rip it off or or does it sincerely not even bother you?
2: Uh it sincerely doesn't bother me. I mean, I mean, it bothers me the way it looks, honestly. Like I don't love a big chunky knee brace, but I do feel like it could kind of add to this Barbie roboticness. I've gotten surprisingly <laughs> a lot of positive comments about the knee brace, which I really enjoy. So it, it's
1: man, gymnastics is just I in my humble opinion, gymnasts are maybe the best, best athletes of any athlete that I've ever (laughs) seen. Just so strong and so technical. But what's nice about the floor routine is you can kind of be yourself a little bit. What do you do personally before a routine to get ready for it?
2: Like, are you talking like right before like night
1: of or what do you, yeah. How about let's do right before, what do you do right before?
2: Um, so I, I make sure to say all my keywords. So before each tumbling pass or before any skill in gymnastics, um, it's advised to have like keywords, things that remind you of what to do to make your skill as best as it can be. And so I'll say like, you know, keep my chest up on my tumbling passes, light on my feet, things like that. But then mostly just like, I just tell myself to breathe so I don't get like super nervous. I'm like, just breathe (laughs) and have fun. Like at that point, It's muscle memory. Your body knows what to do. Just enjoy the moment.
1: So you get butterflies right before you go on. And then once you're actually on the floor, where's your mind at?
2: Honestly, it's just right on the routine. Like, it's the same routine that I've done so many times in practice. And it's just doing it in front of a crowd.
1: Do you have any rituals or superstitions that you do before a meet or a routine? Something you do every single time?
2: Um... I always had to eat an apple before. Like, I don't know why. I just have always done that. Not really a superstition. It's just comfort <laughs> food, I guess. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, the night before, like, I visualize. I run through my routines. And I do like to meditate and, you know, just clear my mind.
1: So as we watch you compete this season, what do you want to see from yourself and your teammates, it being your senior
2: year? Um, honestly, like... My main goal this year, like, I think it's been hard through, you know, the three knee surgeries. I've put a lot of pressure on myself, and it's been hard, and it's been stressful. And this year, like, I just have told myself, I just want to enjoy it. I want to let every moment soak in. I want to have fun. I want to, you know, be with my teammate, be in the present time. And so, like, personally, that's my goal is to just, like, enjoy it and soak it up. But, you know, as a team, I mean, we're a really great team this year. And I want to, you know, I want to keep winning our meets, I would love to make it to regionals I know we all would and I just have a great season you know
1: when you look back on your career here at BYU what would you say is your best memory that you've had
2: best memory oh wow there's so many but I mean off the top of my head most relevant is just last weekend I got my career high on floor on that bar routine I got a 9.925 and that was surreal that was awesome
1: So cool. Ending on a high note. We're here with senior gymnast Rebecca Ripley. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on with us and good luck for the rest of the season.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: And that does it for us today. Thanks again to gymnastics, Rebecca Ripley, for coming on the show with us. You can join the Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. Cougar Tailgate is a production of Radio.